Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to begin there in just a moment. Man, I'm excited about what's going on. Anybody excited about all these things happening around here? I can't wait to see the harvest and what God is going to do and how God is going to use every one of us in seeing people come to Christ. It's, it's such an exciting time. Well, I'm in a series that uh, my third message in this series simply called Lies. Uh, I've been looking at some areas here, just the Holy Spirit taking me through a study and uh, realizing that Satan's number one weapon against the life of a believer is a lie. Think of that. Think of that. Colossians says, and we're going to read from Deuteronomy. Let me just quote a little bit. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, We have been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now think of that. We're, he's speaking to a believer. We have been. Past tense. It's happened. How many have made Jesus Savior and Lord of your life? Let me see your hand. I want you to keep it up. Look around here. Every one of you with your hand raised have been delivered from the dominion or the authority of Satan. That means although some of you old schoolers that like Flip Wilson, his theology was bad. Because every time Flip did something wrong, he always said what? The devil made me do it. Can I tell you the truth? As a Christian, the devil can't make you do it. How many heard what I've said? So what does he do? If Satan cannot physically force you to sin, to disobey, to, 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 to move out of the will of God, if he's not capable, if you no longer are under his authority, then how does he do that to us? He lies to us and we believe it. He lies to us. And we act on it. And so when, when we look at this, think of our study uh, that we had. The very first weapon he chose to use in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. We studied this. The, the fall of man. Think of that. The result of him lying to Eve and Adam and Eve hearing the lie and acting on it created the original sin. Every wicked, evil, horrible thing that has ever happened on this planet was a result of Adam and Eve listening to a lie and acting on it. Think of that. It, it, it was not some uh, horrible, forceful thing that Satan did and drugged them into disobedience. He lied and they listened. He lied and they listened until they acted on it. Is everybody with me? See, sometimes Satan uses a lie and it's so close to the truth that if you don't know the truth, he can deceive you. But then there are other times that we're going to see today where he becomes so desperate. Would you listen to me? Because I believe some people in this room today are right on the verge of stepping into a new season in your life. I believe there are a lot of people in this room, a lot of people listening to me, that God has positioned you right now to step into a new season, to have a breakthrough in your life, into another category. But there are times when, 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 when God's people are there on the verge of a breakthrough. Have I got your attention now? And Satan is so desperate about what he sees God about to do that he doesn't have time to deceive. He just loudly, boldly lies out loud right in your face where he, he pulls out his last stop. So lies 
have created so much confusion. Lies have created so much heartache. Today, what we're going to see is, is that moment when the nation of Israel was poised to go into the promised land. What God had promised them he would do was about to happen. It was less than two years since they had triumphantly marched out of Egyptian bondage. It was less than two years. Some biblical uh, scholars put it at almost one year. They had been delivered. They had seen the wonders, the plagues that came on Israel. They had seen God free them, deliver them, rescue them. And, and now, just as he said, they're, they're there camped at Kadesh Barnea, just on the east side of the Jordan River. And their promise is right in their face. It's right there. They're, they have to be uh, remembering everything that God had done to get them there. But because they believed a lie. An entire generation lost their lives. The plan of God was delayed 40 years. I don't know about you. I'm a little more type A personality. I mean, I'm going to trust God until. How many are in the until camp? But I don't want to wait 40 years if I don't have to. I mean, I mean I'm not... I may not have 40 more years. How many understand what I'm saying? You live a little longer and this becomes a little more important. I I don't have 40 years to wait. Can I tell you, if you're 25, you don't have 40 years to waste. And isn't it amazing that out of all of the repertoire of Satan's weaponry, lying is what he chooses. Lying is what seems to be so effective. We're going to read scripture. Don't give up on me, okay? I'm getting you set up here. Here's the question. Why are lies so easily believed? That's what I want to ask myself. What do I want to ask you? That's what I'd like to go back to the nation of Israel. Think of this, guys. Think of what they saw God do. Think of the the water turning to blood in Egypt and and, and the locusts coming in, but they were saved. And and light turns to darkness, but they had light. The, the, you know... uh, one plague after another after another and then they walk on dry ground through the Red Sea how did they believe these lies what in the world you could not say they'd never seen God do anything how many of us in this room have to admit I've seen the faithfulness of God anybody seen the faithfulness of God anybody in this room ever had a prayer answered keep your hand up for a minute if you haven't had one answered would you look around the room okay so We have seen the faithfulness of God. We have seen the truth of God. We have experienced it. We know he is who he says he is. We know he does what he says he will do, right? But so had they. And so what allowed this moment when they were on the verge of everything they had dreamed of, prayed for, longed for, what happened now to cause a lie To be believed so easily. Well, I want to help us with this. Because if it happened to them, it could happen to us. They saw more than any generation has ever seen. Here's the problem for them. They had established a pattern. Get that word. They had a pattern. They had a repetitive lifestyle. There was something they did regularly that created an atmosphere to make it, listen to me, Easier to believe a lie than believe the truth. They were constantly murmuring. Okay? That, that word murmuring is a, is a Hebrew word. It says it means 
muttering under your breath. Now, I know none of you did that at work this week. I, I, know, I know that pattern doesn't exist for us. Today it would be, murmuring would be muttering online. Okay. See, so, so uh, see, see, the difference in us and them is that they murmured in their tent, God said. We'll read it. But we murmur online. Okay. So anyway, th- they had this pattern of murmuring, complaining, doubting and mistrusting God. Listen to me. They developed a pattern of doubting God. They had a lifestyle of not trusting God. They murmured. They complained. Everybody still with me? They were, listen, the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, I can, my body can come to church, but if I leave my mind out, my life hasn't changed. Come on, you can get up on Sunday morning. Now, back in the old days, we're all casual now, but back in the old days, you know what I'm saying. Mama could get up and go get her hat out of that box in the closet. And daddy put on his three-piece suit and his tie. Come on, how many still with me? And you shined your shoes and the kids look nice. And you can go to church and, 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 and on your way out of the house, you, you understand what I'm saying. You, you're looking all good and, and you're running around trying to find out where you laid your Bible last Sunday, right. which is the last time you read it. Where, where'd you put it? Ethel, where's my Bible? What? <laughs> Let's get this. You can go through the motions, but the Bible said you never change. You're never transformed till your mind changes. They lived in the presence of God. A fire at night, a cloud at day, manna to feed them, blessings on them, the goodness of God. And yet they never allowed their faith in God to transform the way they looked at God and the way they looked at themselves. They literally developed an atmosphere. Think of this. In the presence of God, they developed an atmosphere in the presence of God that made it easier to believe a lie than to believe the truth. That's a frightening scenario to me. That is a sobering scenario to me. I don't want to get into that. So, so I want to read first from Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 20. We, we always begin this story in Numbers 13. But I want to help you with something that gives us some very important insight about these, this pattern, these series of decisions that rob them of their destiny and their purpose. Now, this, Deuteronomy 1 verse 20, this is the, the setting is 40 years after what we're going to read in Numbers 13. This, these are the children of that lost generation. So the book Deuteronomy literally translates the second law. Moses is now back on the ground where their fathers believed a lie that caused a generation to die unfulfilled. So Moses is saying, okay, let me tell you again. Here's your opportunity. How many are thankful for second chances? <laughs> have you ever blown it? You don't have to tell me. And, and, and God said, let's try this again. Have you ever messed up and God brought you around and said, okay, here we are again. I'm going to give you another shot. I'm, I'm, he said, I'm going to repeat what I already told you. <laughs> you know, have you ever discovered God never changes his mind? 
Everybody with me on that? God doesn't accommodate George Sawyer. George Sawyer accommodates the Word of God. So he's not going to say, all right, you blew it the first time, so let's change the plan. No. So he says, all right, your parents blew this. I still have a promise out there. Let me explain this to you. Now watch this. Deuteronomy 1, verse 20. He says, then I said to you, he's repeating what happened. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of the people in the land that I promised you, okay? He says, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. He said, this is what I told your fathers. I told them, don't be afraid. You saw God do this in Egypt, okay, before your eyes. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. Now look at verse 32 here, all right? Or, 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 I'm sorry, I, I, I jumped ahead of you, didn't I? Deuteronomy 1, <laughs> verse 20. Then I said to, the, said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. Watch this. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord your God, your fathers, told you. He, tell, he keeps telling them, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. But we'll look at verse 22. So he says, God's with you, God's for you, go take possession. We got this. But look at verse 22. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and to the towns we will come to. So he says, God said, go. They says, before we go, let's just go send some spies out. Now, God, had God already told them we got it? Had God already said, I'm going to go with you? Had God already said, this is yours? But they got together and decided, we need to just think about this for a minute. We need to send some spies out. Verse 23, unfortunately... The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskel and explored it. Now, now, having read that, let's go to Numbers 13. This is, we typically pick this account here, but we need to have read that first. All right? So why did they send the spies? Because the people thought that was a good idea. After God had already told them, you got it, they said, well, let's go send these guys out. Are you with me? Now, look at Numbers 13. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. You have to dig a little sometime. Numbers 13, 1. So here are their parents. Here's the first time there. They're standing ready to go into promised land. The Lord said to Moses, Numbers 13, 1, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Hold on, hold on. Deuteronomy, I just read, you said you wanted to send a spy. Numbers says... God said, go send the spies. So what's happening here? Just got to study a little bit. Got to dig in a little bit. All right. So, so what happens? Numbers 13 is best translated where it says, the Lord said, send some men. Literally, the Hebrew language says, send for yourself some men. The Orthodox rabbis translate this and say, it says, if you wish to send spies, do so. What happened is, God didn't command them, God permitted them. Has God ever permitted you to do something? Did God give you a free will? Okay, so literally, God says, you don't need to do this. It's not necessary, but if that's what you want to do, go ahead. 
Sometimes I've counseled people, and I thought they came to me for uh, instruction, but I realized they just wanted affirmation. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? They already had their mind made up. They just want me to stamp it. <laughs> and I, even when they didn't get the stamp, they did it anyway. Here's what I found out pastoring 41 years. Sometimes when you get what you want, you don't want what you get. <laughs> Sometimes if you're determined, God will let you have it, right? And then we want to say, God, why would you do this? He said, I think you asked for that. Okay, so do you remember when Israel, when God said, you don't need a king, I'm your king. And what did Israel do? We want a king. Why did they want a king? Because all the other nations had a king. Sometimes, are you listening closely to him? want to help you. Sometimes God will let you have what you want because you keep wanting it when we should have listened to him the first time. He already said, you don't need any help. I'm going to put you there. So because they said, we want spies, he said, if you want spies, send your spy. So they go spy it out. So let's drop down to Numbers 13, 21, okay? Had to set you up a little bit. I'm going to move a little faster now. Numbers chapter 13. And uh, you know what? Let let me just drop down and let's go a little further. Uh, Verse 27. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. So what happens? They send the 12 spies out. They come back. Here we are. They gave Moses this account. Numbers 13, 27. We went into the land in which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Which is a phrase meaning it's fertile. It's beautiful. It's an amazing place. It's everything God said it was. Are you with me? We went there and God told us the truth. Verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So they said, it's everything God said. But there's all these people. There's all these armies. There's all these cities. As if God hadn't looked at that. Verse 30, now 10 said that, 2, Joshua and Caleb did. So Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. Look at this next, so verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, hear the lies. Are you ready for the lies? Hear the lies that robbed you of your purpose. Hear the lies that robbed you of your destiny. Hear the lies the devil's whispering in your ear because you're about to have a breakthrough in your life. Here's what the devil does when he sees you moving out of your wilderness into your promised land. Anybody with me? Here's what Satan begins to do when he's in a panic because your life's about to change. Here's what Satan does because he sees you. Listen to me closely. I believe this is a word of knowledge. He sees you beginning to change the people you hang around with. Here's what Satan begins to do because he's, God has brought some new people in your life and the Satan's about to panic because you're about to move out of an atmosphere of murmuring, complaining, doubting, and victimization and you're about to move into a season in your life. Here's why Satan's lying to you because you're about to hear some truth. You've been hearing some truth. You've been seeing a testimony. Man, I feel this strong. Here's another word from the Lord. There's someone listening to me now. You've encountered another person's testimony. And it's kind of rocked your life a little bit. You were living 
in a little bubble of a bunch of people who walk around in circles in the wilderness saying this is all we'll ever be and you just bumped into somebody you used to know and they're not in that circle anymore. God has radically changed their life and now you can't deny if God did it for them, he might be able to do it for me. And that's why these lies are reverberating in your ears right now. What did they say? The men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. Look at this. Number one, they're stronger than we are. So they spread among the Israelites a bad report, uh, literally an evil report about what they'd explored. Look at the next slide. The land we explored devours those living in it. Look at the next slide. All of the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. These were literally a race of large, huge people. Goliath was of those people. But they said, they didn't say we saw some. They said, everybody there is a seven-foot-tall NBA player. Meant their point guards are seven feet tall over there. Said everybody's a giant over there. It was a lie. Look at the last lie, or next to the last. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Here's the lie. We look like grasshoppers to them. Let's read a little more. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. We read later, Deuteronomy says, they went in their tents and grumbled. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, look at this. Here's the last lie. If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Here it is. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? Let me ask some questions. <laughs> Look at this today. Are you completely satisfied where you are in your life right now? Do you believe you've reached the epitome of your life? Do you believe there's no more room for spiritual growth? Do you believe God's done all he's going to do? So, Pastor, I'm retired. Well, that's where you get refired. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? You just retired working for the man so you can work for the man right now. You understand? It's not too late. Well, I'm on my fifth marriage. Well, you know what? God's a big God. It's not too late for you. Well, I'm too young. I don't know anything about life. Thank God you haven't ruined yourself. You can go through this thing. See, right now, I believe there's more for us wherever we are. I believe there's more right where we are. Do, do, do you has, have some things become so familiar that you've settled to live in that place when you know there's more to you. So, to, it, it's kind of like this. I, 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 see, I see some people that I know, and it's like they are, a, uh, they are one of those fast-speed uh, banana boat race boats, and you're in an aquarium idling. Understand what I'm saying? You, you're like a shark in a goldfish bowl. You got to get out of there. You got to step out of that. You got to believe that God will do what he said he would do and that this thing inside of you, this thing turning over in you is not because anybody around you isn't enough. It's that we haven't allowed God to do everything he wanted for us. The unsettledness, the dissatisfaction inside of you is really not based upon anyone else. It's the fact God will not let you alone because he's not done with you yet. What am I going to choose to believe? 
Which one? Am, am I going to believe? Let's go get it right now. Or there, this guy lives here and that guy lives there. They're stronger than me. See, facts. Listen to me. Facts do not derail my faith. Faith looks at the facts but remembers what God said first. The facts were there were walled cities. The facts were there were armies in front of them. The facts were some of them were large people. The facts were in their own ability, they weren't strong enough. But the most important fact was that before they ever saw them, God had already said, I'm going with you. I'm going for you. And faith doesn't deny the giants. It just remembers what God said about the giants. Are you with me? Facts don't mess with my faith because I've heard God first. Here's the reason they stumbled. They didn't know what God said. They didn't retain what God said. They didn't live in a pattern that embraced what God said. They lived a pattern of doubting what God said. Not talking about what God said. God feeds them manna and they say, I'm tired of manna. God keeps their clothes from wearing out. And they're mad they didn't get the, I don't know, catalog in the mouth. They're mad Amazon doesn't deliver in the desert. Their shoes don't wear out. And they're mad because they didn't get the latest Nikes. They grumble. They complain. They're unhappy. God is moving all around them. But they create a pattern of lifestyles. Anybody with me? That it is easier to believe the lies than believe the truth. The lies. They're stronger than we are. The basis of all these lies, when you're on the verge of your next step forward for God, the basis of all these lies working is that their eyes were on themselves instead of on God. What do they say? They're stronger than we are. They're stronger than we are. That's okay. That's all right. Every hero had to beat a giant someplace. Everyone had to face something bigger than them to find out God was big enough. What is Ephesians 3.20? I don't have that in my list. What does it say? They said they're stronger than we are. But Ephesians 3.20, listen, says, and God is able. Oh, come on, say it with me. And God is able. I'm not able. God is able. God is able. And say it again. And God is able. What is God is able to do? To do exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond, more, all I can ask or think or imagine according to his power. I'm going to run out of room. That is at work within me. It's not me. It's him in me. It's not you. It's him in you. Of course there are giants bigger than us. Of course there are moments bigger than us. Of course there are situations greater than us. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The lie of the devil is look in the mirror. The truth of God is look in the word. When you create that atmosphere, it's easier to believe the truth than it is a lie. Anybody with me? I love this. Uh, this, this, see, these lies were opposite. They said, all the peoples are giants. All the people are giants. They're all giants. That's an exaggeration. That's an exaggeration. You know what else it is? I got to tell you the truth. It is an excuse not to try. Everybody's a giant. No, they're not all the giants. You know what? You, you have a bad day. God never answers my prayers. Yes, he does. You're here, aren't you? You're saved, aren't you? 
God forgot who I am. If God forgot who you are, the devil would have killed you last year. <laughs> if your prayers don't get answered, we, we, we'd be having a memorial service for you, not church today. Do you understand that? They're not all giants. They're not all giants. The devil doesn't always win. Don't use words like all and never unless you're talking about God. <laughs> Don't use always and never unless you're speaking about God. Don't, can I help husbands and wives? Don't use those words. You never, they probably do sometimes, do the right thing. You never remember ever anything. They probably do sometimes. You always say that. They probably don't always say that. Give them some wiggle room. Quit painting each other in the corner. How many hear what I'm saying? That little free marriage counseling. So I don't, we don't have to do that this week, all right? So all the people are giants. Remember what I've taught you about David when he fought Goliath? Listen to me. David did not defeat the giant because of the way he fought. He defeated the giant because of the way he thought. He, see, here's what we do in church today. We're copycats. We're, we, we don't get it. See, if, if, we, if David was today, here's what every church in America would have done. We would be selling in the foyer slingshots. How, how, did, he, how did he kill the giant? Well, he had this slingshot right out there. Oh, okay. So every you know, Sunday school class over there right now, they'd be doing slingshots. Breaking windows, hitting the workers in the head, and coming to your house and mad. Who gave you that? They gave it to me at church. We're not going back to that church. Well, see, what happened, we imitate. We imitate. We think if we're going to defeat the giant, i got to get David's slingshot. You need David's faith. (laughs) See, he didn't win by the way he fought. He won by the way he thought. The whole nation of Israel ran from Goliath every day for 40 days. Remember that, the whole army. But this little kid walks up to bring his brother's food right out of the sheep pen. Smells like he'd been there. Little punk of a guy. And he says... He, he looks at him and he goes, so who gets, what do I get when I kill him? His brothers got mad and said, don't you have something to go do? Get out of here. They bring him to Saul. Saul says, what makes you think you're going to kill this giant? He said, well, I've been watching the sheep. He said, I can tell that. And he says, uh, so this bear came and grabbed the sheep. But, you know, it was on my watch. He, what happened? The, was the bear stronger than David? Yeah. I don't know how that little boy whipped the bear. But he killed the bear and took the sheep back. So what's happened now is faith is growing. So now a lion comes and David says, well, kill the bear. Let's go grab the lion. Kill the lion. That really happened. And Saul says, so what makes you think you can do this? You go, well, you know, I killed a bear, killed a lion. And Saul says, mm, let's give him a shot. <laughs> Couldn't hurt. He says, put my armor on him. See, it's not how he fought, it's how he thought. David put Saul's armor on. Remember Saul was taller than anybody else? David's a little kid. He's clanking around out there. He says, sir, I appreciate this, but if you don't mind, just let me do what God does for me. Do you know what God does for you? Do you even know? Did you hear what I said? What's your God thing? How does God help you? How does God do for you? You can't can't face a giant and say, I pray in the name of Pastor Sawyer. It's not going to work. So you can't say, I, I, I pray in the name of Calvary Assembly. It's not going to work. There are going to be moments when it's you and the giant. And you have to know, God's been with me. 
I remember the day we got that lion. I remember the day we got that bear. I remember that day my family member died and I didn't think I could take another step. But God met me and he met me and he met me and he helped me and he graced me and he gave me. I remember that day I'd been tithing and I lost my job anyway. And the devil said, you're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your home. You're going to lose your everything. And God showed up and showed out. I remember when I faced down my greatest fear and God was with me. And if he's been with me then, he'll be with me now. You can create a pattern where it's easier to believe the truth than believe a lie. Or you can live a pattern where it's easier to live a lie than the truth. The bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. They said, we need to go back. You know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to go back. He wants you to go back. He wants to win the fight without ever having to get in it with you. He still remembers what Jesus did when he was tempting him in the desert. Where three times it is written, it is written, it is written. And the Bible says, he says, I've got to leave for a more opportune time. That's nice King James English that says, Jesus kicked him up one side and the other side of the desert. Until he said, I can't take anymore. In WWE language, he tapped out. In other words, there was nothing else he could do. He said, if you, I'm going to, I got to get out of here. Why? Because he learned to stand in that word. He learned to trust his father. He learned to do what was right. He cre- in the wilderness by himself. He created an atmosphere of trust in God. That's how you rise above the lies. Is the devil going to lie? Yes, the devil's going to lie. But the devil wants you to go back without ever even getting in a fight. He wants you to believe the lie. And today, maybe he's working on somebody right now about that. Where you're dealing with this thing. Where you're in a hard moment. Listen, let me help you. And the devil says, you know, just let go of your faith. Why do you keep trying? Why do you keep trusting? Just go back to the way you were. Honestly, if that place was so good, why have you already left it? If that was working out for you, why were you praying, God, get me out of this? Are you listening to me? Come on, I want to help you. There's somebody right now because you've you gotten a little bit lonely. That's understandable. And you're thinking about going back to some relationship that was toxic. If that was your answer, why did you leave it? If that's what's going to get you there, why did you walk away from it? If that's going to be the solution, why did you pray to get out of it? See, they prayed God deliver us from Egypt. But the first crisis they faced, they said, I want to go back there. See, it's ridiculous. It's a crazy thing. The devil knows God can defeat him. The devil knows your faith in God will win this battle. So he lies so he doesn't have to face the battle. Everybody with me? Let's look at this and then we're going to go. So what, what did Caleb, how do we overcome the lies? Look at this. This is, this is what we do. Uh, Numbers 13.30. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Is that up on the board? Come on, behind me. Come on, let's read it out loud. You want to read it out loud with me? We, let's create an atmosphere where it's easier to believe the truth than a lie. I want everybody to read this out loud. Are you ready? Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You just said what God says about you. Now, we're going to read it again before we do. Look, what's the first thing he did? Silence the people. There are going to be moments when you've got to close the voices off. Are you listening to me? You're going to have to say, I've heard enough of that. 
That's why the Bible says sometimes, you know, we hear Christians talk about your prayer closet. You may not have a real closet, but sometimes you need to shut the door or some stuff. Are you with me? Come on. I want you to say it again. I want to say it. Some of you, <laughs> it's funny. I kind of almost heard in my spirit, you know how a door's been closed a long time and somebody opens it up and it's like, some of your faith sounded like that when, <laughs> when you read that verse just then. You, you've been murmuring so long. I don't mean to, I'm trying to be ugly. I want to help you though. You've been murmuring so long when you finally made a faith statement in my spirit, I heard. So while I got you here, I'm going to oil the hinges for me. I'm going to put some Holy Ghost WD-40 on you. Come on. Come on. Let's get it open. You get it open? I'm not done yet. We're going to do this in more than a minute. Come on. Come on. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. We got to do it one more time. I'm sorry. That's just so good. It wasn't as squeaky that time. Come on. You ready? We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Yes. <laughs> Woo. All right. Numbers 14. Look at verse 6. Come on. We're going to do this some more. Numbers 14, 6. Are you there? Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes when all these people said, let's go back, let's go back. And said to the entire Israelite assembly, look at this, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land full of milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land. <laughs> Look at this. Because we will swallow them up. <laughs> Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Mm-mm. Okay, leave, leave that verse up. Okay, let's go to this last line. <clears throat> now, we're not talking about people in your family you're mad at right now. We're talking about the lies of the devil. Everybody with me? Okay. Their protection. Come on, read it with me out loud. Come on. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Come on, let's do it again. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. All right. Let's cut to the chase. Look at verse 24. I want you to see this. Numbers 14. What did that develop in Caleb? Why was he so opposite? Think of this. This entire nation, that generation, died short of their promise while two men were able to overcome that. What was the deal? Look at this. Verse 24, Numbers 14. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, and this is said about him four times in Scripture, this next, and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. So you're not only going to win, your family's about to win. Your family's going to win. Look at it with me again. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, a different spirit. If you're going to possess what God has, 
You're going to have to be willing to be different. Did you hear your pastor tell you that? I'm going to tell you straight up, you're going to have to be okay with being different. If you're not okay with being different, you're going to miss some of the best things God has in your life. Are you listening to me, church? I'm not, this isn't legalism. It isn't religion. It's word. It's word. We're not of this world. Are you listening to me? We're not of this world. We're ambassadors on this planet sent from the kingdom of heaven. I am living in the embassy of heaven on earth. You understand that? My citizenship is not of this planet. My citizenship is of heaven. I am an ambassador representing the wishes of the king of the universe. I live to please him. My customs are not the customs of this world. My plans are not the plans of this world. My goals are not the goals of this world. My literature is not the literature of this world. I feed on truth, not on lies. I live by faith, not by sight. I walk in that word, not in what my circumstances dictate to me. Is anybody with me? I'm willing to be different. I'm willing, like Noah, to build an ark while everyone's laughing at me when someday it's going to rain and my family's going to be safe. I'm willing to be different. I'm willing to walk a path that others don't choose to walk. I'm willing to tell the truth when it would be easier to tell a lie. I'm willing to be reproached for the gospel of Jesus Christ than to live in a lie and and forfeit my faith. Anybody with me? You're going to be different sometime. You won't go where everyone goes. You won't say what everyone said. I will walk off from some conversation that I don't need to hear that conversation. I will say what God says if I'm the only one that says what God says in a moment. Do you know why? Because we have a different spirit. Because we follow God wholeheartedly. Is anybody with me right now? You better learn to do that because our children are in a school system. There are many wonderful godly teachers. There are many wonderful godly administrators. I know them. They go to this church. They are godly and they are wonderful. But I'm going to tell you, there's a whole other group of madness that these little boys and girls, I know you can hear me and quote me. If I don't mean it, I don't say it. If I say it, you can tell anybody I said it. We, they are in the midst of a madness that is confusing, is ungodly, it is anti-Christ. And we'd better show them What it's like to walk by faith and not by sight. I refuse to forfeit my children and my grandchildren on the altar of fitting in. I refuse to forfeit them to the chaos and confusion of this world. I have to show them I'm willing to be different. If they're willing to be different, God will give them a promised land. They are going to know who they are, what their identity is, who they are in Christ, how to walk a different path. If those boys and girls learn to walk with a different spirit, God will give them a different promise. If you're willing to wait on God, you won't settle for the less thing. I would rather my kids learn how to be lonely for a season and find the will of God for the rest of their life than believe there is no way out. And if you're not different, they won't be different. If you don't have a different spirit, they won't have a different spirit. There's some promises to inherit. There's some truths to walk in. I don't care if everybody does it. I don't care if it's the new thing at a church to do this and do that. Listen, I say let every man be a liar and let God's truth be the truth for us. 
One translation of this different spirit I love, I'm, I'm, I'm winding down, okay, is a next spirit. Next spirit. Everybody else was looking in the rearview mirror. See that? I want to go back. I want to go back. I'm tired. I want to go back. But there are those people that God is looking for who have a different spirit, who have a next spirit. He talked about them in Hebrews chapter 11. He said the earth wasn't worthy of them. They lived for a city whose builder and maker was God. They walked a path other people didn't understand, but they inherited a blessing other people didn't inherit. Are you with me? He followed him wholeheartedly. James 1 says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But if I fill my heart with the word of God, with the worship of my God, with the presence of my God, will I hear the lies? Well, I'll hear the lies. Come on, stand up with me. Worship team, come join me. Stand up with me. I didn't say go. I just said stand. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Do you know that you can serve God with a whole heart while you're waiting on a promise to be fulfilled? You know what impresses me about Joshua and Caleb? Listen, you got to hear this. This is important. (laughs) Think about it. What if you were the only two that believed and pleased God, whole heart, different spirit, and yet you had to live for 40 years with those jokers? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? That made you wait 40 years. And they never had a bad attitude. Now, church folks get holier than now, real quick. (laughs) We get all stuffy and fluffy and judgy, critical. Come on, don't shout me down. Tell you one thing. I'm leaving that place. Listen. If you're going to get to where you're going, you're going to have to do it in the midst of some cranky stuff. And if you're going to let, if you're going to let that run you off your path every time it happens, you're never going to get there. Do you ever think about Joshua and Caleb? Forty years with the doubters and the murmurs and the complainers. They just kept serving God. Unwavering. Wholeheartedly. So you know what I found out? If I'll keep my heart full, I don't have a lot of room. For all those other things happening in my life. I'm going to hear it. It's going to be around me. It's going to See, there's no room for it to get in me. If my heart's full, I don't have room for it to get in me. Guys, he's worth waiting on. He's worth believing. I want to live in an atmosphere where my it's easier for me to trust than doubt. It's more, it's more familiar to me to believe the truth than believe a lie. Let's make some choices today, man. Hey, I believe some people in this room, this, this is a significant prophetic day in your life because we've looked at some things, haven't we? We said, God, I'm going with this. I'm going with this. You know, typically, and I, I just sense it in my spirit because we're, we're going to do something different. Typically, you get to this moment in a church service and you, the, the, the music kind of slower and lower. Well, you know, I feel like celebrating today myself. And every once in a while, you need a praise break. How many hear what I'm talking about? You need a praise break. Because, see, otherwise, we're going to get that uh, martyr mentality. I don't feel like a martyr today. 
I don't feel like a martyr because I'm willing to have a different spirit. I don't think I'm better than anybody because I got a different spirit. I don't think that I'm more holy than somebody else because I have a different spirit. I'm just thankful for the grace of God. I'm just thankful that once I was lost and now I'm found. I'm thankful that I was right. You, you know what a rut is? A rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. I'm thankful that hell lost another one. I'm thankful I've gotten up out of the grave. I'm thankful. See, this journey is a joy journey. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We've had enough cranky, ugly Christians in this world. We need some happy people, joyful people, thanking God for a different spirit. Not walking around, well, i got a different spirit. I don't hang out with those kind of people. You know, or, or you act like Aunt Esther, you know. Fred, you heathen? How many know what I'm talking about? We ought to have something people want. We ought to live something that they said, tell me about this different spirit. Tell me about this whole heart. So I believe before we leave today, we need to have a little praise break. We're going to go live a different spirit. We're going to go serve with a whole heart. So let's walk out of this place today thinking, thank you, God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.